0: Welcome to Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. Greg Richard, joined once again by Scott Sharp. Great to see you back,
1: Scott. Great to be here. Lovely little sort of misting of rain out there, cooling the gardens down. It's uh, Yeah, it's really nice out there at the moment. It's also our last gardening talk back for the year. Oh, I, I was going to bring that up because it brings a little tear to my eye, but yes, it is. So look, if you've got any gardening questions you need answered, time to call in now and put the, uh,
0: put, put us the hard yards, over the hard yards. For the last part of the year, yes. Scott, what have you else have you got for
1: us today? I thought we'd talk about poa grass, uh, also lamandra tanika, tum- it's a type of grass as well. And looking after your Christmas tree come, you know, end of December,
0: January. What to do with it. Yeah. Just chuck it in the backyard, don't Not you? that simple. We'll talk about it oh, later. okay. So we've got Jeff from Baddow Bay, and his orange tree that didn't fruit this year. Good afternoon, Jeff. How can we help you? <laughs> yeah,
2: g'day, mate. mate um, I've got an orange tree, and every year it produces, you know, like 20, maybe more
1: oranges, beautiful oranges. This year, nothing. Yeah. Nothing, d- none at all. None at all. You've been fertilising it, doing all the usual things? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah I, I fertilise it every year and um,
1: yeah I, do a lot I think it's, it's... and that, that, that's that's pretty good every four weeks uh, so look you can be fertilising it with fowl manure uh, there's also specific citrus food uh, you can yeah. get uh, which helps the the fruiting and flowering of the plant. I reckon this year with oranges it was my memory and I'm only going to be really anecdotal here but I think that this this winter wasn't that cold. Is anyone going to back me up on that?
0: It was cold. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh,
2: that's, that's the same, and I do have a mandarin tree that's not far away from the orange tree, and it's got heaps of,
1: heaps of um, fruit on. The yeah. Okay, well, that, that's really good. I, but I, look, I think with oranges, they really do need uh, to have that bit of a chill to get them, you know, fruiting and and flowering, in. and then you get the really nice taste out of them as well. I've also heard the old trick. Uh, a few times here, listeners have called in about it. Uh, at uh, you know, just when it's getting ready to to fruit and flower, you get some ice and dump it around the base of the tree to try and trick the plant into that it's really cold. So that might be something yeah. worth doing next year if we don't get a cold winter, Jeff. Uh, but look, yeah. also, I just keep up with the the uh, fertilising you're doing, making sure it's being well watered, and sometimes it's, it's just nature. Um, you know, a plant just has a rest for the year.
2: Well, I I have a mango tree and I've noticed around the the area where I live that there's
3: no fruit I'm in mango trees. I've
1: got none too. Yeah, and, and I wonder if that could be down to, you know, the, the bees, uh, you know, just not in the area for you. They're a really important part of our uh, ecosystem. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's really good to have bees around the area. They do, you know, obviously, you know, fertilise and pollinate all the flowers, and that's how we get our fruit. Yeah. So minimising yeah. our, our sort of willy-nilly spraying is, is really important to keep the bees around. But, mate, look, I would just keep up with your uh, fertilising uh, like you, uh, you have been the last few years. And once it comes to fruiting fruit, flowering time yeah grab a couple of bags of ice and uh, dump it around the outside if that's if we haven't had a cold winter yeah so it's
2: just um nature then like- yeah i i, I think
1: that i just think you know that's me anecdotally speaking we didn't have a a very cold winter but uh, if any uh, listeners have got any ideas about how to uh, get the orange trees to uh, to fruit a little bit better uh, apart from the uh, the ice trick uh, yeah please feel free to give us a call and uh, maybe
0: we'll be able to help out jeff with that
1: Okay, good on you, Jeff.
0: Thank you. Bye. Bye. I was going to suggest the bag of ice as a joke, but well, we don't joke around here. So you just get bags of ice and sit it next to the. Yeah,
1: call, yeah. Callers have rung in and told us that in the past that uh, you know the oranges need that that chill factor, and it just tricks the plant into doing that.
0: You can just. What else? Big fridge or something? Or?
1: Yeah, yeah big
0: <laughs> fridge, just to a, a, a tow an iceberg up the
1: coast. Uh, but I, I think if you've got a plant in a pot, though, you might not do the ice trick there because it might just get a little bit too sort of chilly on, on the root system for it. But certainly a, a larger
0: plant that's in the ground, uh, yeah, I'd give the ice trick a go. Other people might have some other ideas. So we've got Helen from Adowie, and she's got questions about citrus trees. Hello, Helen. How can we help
1: you? Well,
4: I've got dwarf citrus, citrus trees, and they're in pot. And I'm wondering, if how often do I have to transplant them? Or can they just stay in one pot as long as I keep them at a certain height?
1: Yeah, you can. I mean, what you're going to do with that citrus tree is you're going to effectively bonsai it over time. So you're best to have it in a, you know, a decent-sized pot so that the root system's got plenty of nutrient and moisture to, uh, to utilise when times get tough for it. Uh, but if you just keep the head of that plant small... Then you're going to get enough fruit off it, uh, you know, to to feed yourself and probably the neighbours as well. But uh, you're just keeping it to a size that the root system and that pot can accommodate. So, uh, yeah, look, certainly you can do that. You're just like I said, you're effectively bonsaiing the plant. You have to be really careful though when you're keeping a plant in a pot, especially a citrus plant, that it is being well fertilised and well watered. And as far as fertilising goes, I would say uh, you know once every uh, four months, uh, three to four months with your fertilising. Uh, you can use a product called Sudden Impact. It's great for roses, but it's also uh, just awesome for citrus as well. So that's called Sudden Impact. And the most important time uh, to water the plant is when it has got its flower and fruit on it. Uh, because if that plant gets stressed at any time, it's going to drop its its fruit and, and flowers uh, and then... It, we just won't get them back for the season again. So, yeah, really important when it's set its fruit to make sure you're watering sometimes twice, three times a day, even a gentle mist over the plant to cool it down. Uh, because with a lot of citrus, unfortunately, they uh, they tend to flower and fruit when we get the the hot westerly winds. Uh, we didn't seem to get those this year, though, did we? No. no. the sort of October, November westerlies, you know, came and went. We didn't even... Not miss, though. Not miss, <laughs> no. I don't like them too much either, and the plants certainly don't like them, so... Yeah, Helen, Just um, you can do that, but just make sure you, you're you know, fertilising and watering really heavily with your citrus.
4: Okay, so I've got one in the ground, and uh, it had lots of flowers on it. Some of the um, little fruits have gone yellow and dropped off. Is there something wrong with the tree?
1: Or? Yeah, it, it sounds like it might have dried out as well for, for that uh, fruit to have browned off and shriveled up like that. So uh, even if your plant's in the ground, make sure it is being well watered.
4: The other thing is I've got a Bohemia. Yes. Um, A friend pulled two little plants out of the ground and gave them to me and said, take them home, put them in, and they'll grow. Because they're only about three inches tall, so I put them in a small pot. But now they've taken off, they're about 10, 11 inches tall, and I'm wondering what time can I bring them to take... Yes, yeah, pick
1: them up and put them in a bigger pot. Yeah, look, I think you could do that now. Uh, a good time to do it, actually. Sounds like the root system's uh, bedded itself into that pot, so you can do that. Now, Bohinias, uh do turn into quite a large tree um, in the garden. Oh,
4: they're uh, beautiful flowers.
1: Oh, they are. They're like uh, like a big tulip. You can get them in whites and, and pinks. And uh, Look, they've all just finished flowering, unfortunately, uh, and the tree's sort of losing their leaves. They're a bit weird like that. But, yeah, really nice tree, uh, very tough. Uh, you see them in street planting a lot, but they can get quite large. So, And they do get a little bit messy as well with their, with their flowers and seed pods and the leaves coming off. So uh, where, if you're up at Madawi, you've probably got plenty of room up there. just keep yeah, it we've a got little... a
4: couple of acres, so we're fine.
1: Yeah, so keep it a little bit away from the house if, if you're yeah. going to do that.
4: Okay, so I won't have to transplant them now. If I put them in another pot, or... because they're only about 10 inches tall, they're not...
1: Yeah, look, yeah, it's certainly, yeah, put them into another pot. They'll just, uh, you know, keep on growing up and eventually get to a point when they need to come out of that pot. Uh, It might be time to put them in the ground at that time there.
4: And it'd be about
1: this time of the year, every year? Yeah, look, I think it's a great time for bohemias to, to replant them now. Uh, of course, uh, once you've uh, you know, repotted a plant, always make sure you're watering it well, uh, because it will be stressed for uh, you know, a couple of months, I guess. And you've got to also imagine that when you pull a plant out of its pot and stick it in the ground, its root system still is basically the size of the pot. Sitting in underground, uh, so it does need a fair bit of water. It almost treating as as if uh, you know the the plant is still in the pot and its root root system needs all that extra moisture.
4: Should I soak it in some sea salt first and then?
1: Yeah, look, that, Yeah, that, that's absolutely a good thing to do. Seasol's uh, great for the root system of a plant, so uh, do that. As far as the rest of the growth goes, uh, you need a more all-round fertiliser to get your uh, flowering and, and fruiting and leaf growth on a plant. But Seasol, really good to uh, beef up uh, the uh, root system of a plant.
4: I put some um, native fertiliser on it this time because it didn't seem to be doing much good, and then all of a sudden it's just shot up, so I thought, oh, the native fertiliser must do
1: it well. Yeah, look... Uh, Sounds like it loves that as well. Uh, native fertiliser is safe to use on most plants. It's the other way around. You have to be careful about using, uh, you know, normal fertilisers on native plants. Yeah.
4: Okay, then, okay, well, thank you for that. Not a have problem. a nice
1: Christmas. Yeah, yeah. you too, Helen. Uh, we, thank you. We, we should get into the Christmas spirit, shouldn't we?
0: Yes,
4: that's
0: right. <laughs> okay, thanks, Helen. <laughs>
4: okay, thanks. Bye.
0: We've got Bruce now from Ellie and He's got a question about the devil's twine tree. Oh, it
1: sounds devilish, doesn't it? <laughs> Hello, Bruce. How can we help you?
5: Morning, gentlemen. Um, I wanted to just ask Scott if he knows of a, um, a plant, um, and it's called, well, the local name, the colloquial name, is devil's twine. Yes. Um, and how you can
1: control it? Yeah. Now that's that's a really difficult one to to control. It, it is actually a native Australian plant, um, mm-hmm. and it's one of those parasitic ones that you know they grow up the the plant. You know, the big host plant. And start to actually take the nutrients out of that plant. So very difficult to control, especially if I guess it started its journey, you know, higher up the plant where you can't get to it to try and cut it out. Uh, Yeah, Look. so as far as control goes, it's only physical control and trying to actually tear it back out of the plant without doing any damage. That's about the only way you can keep it under control.
5: Yeah, I've been doing that. It's got um, in, in one instance um, in a melaleuca. Yes. Um, it's gotten up into the the head of it, and it's basically just about killed the plant. But it's so thick that the um, sorry, it wasn't a melaleuca; it was a um, um, casuarina. Yes. And it's it's actually broken the, the tree or the shrub down um, because it just got so thick and heavy. Bit of breeze and that's
1: it. Yeah, and, and when it winds it just, it, it just chokes the plant uh, of course its root system's in there you know, sucking away as well. You also see it sometimes, and it's not so damaging I guess, but you see large date palms and you'll see a, a strangler fig up inside the plant uh, you know, quite high yep. up there uh, probably not as damaging to those plants but yeah, look, uh, the parasitic one you have got, the, the devil's twine is very damaging so the only way to control it is to try and pull it out when it's nice and young.
5: Yeah, how it seeds or how it um how it travels it, because it seems to be able to move from plant to plant, and I know it has these little round um seed balls um but i'm I'm assuming they fall to the ground and they must uh, travel across the ground somehow
1: yeah, look it's not that they've got legs they they do just land on <laughs> they land on the plants and then they uh on the other you know, the, the host plant and that's when they yep. they sprout there, and away they go yes unfortunately, yeah, if you've got them, yeah, it can be difficult to get rid of. But it is a yeah. na- it is a native, so ideally suited for Australian conditions.
5: <laughs> I think it's one of those I'd rather not have those got. <laughs>
1: <laughs> true, true. It's not a nice, you know, benign grevillea or something that the uh, you know the lorikeets are in there feeding away on. Exactly, yeah. exactly.
5: All right. Look, thank you very much for your help. I appreciate it, and I, I love
1: your program. Okay, Thank you, Bruce, and uh, good luck with it, and Merry Christmas. And the same to you, Scott. Okay, thank cheers,
0: you very thank much. Bye bye. Bye now. We're getting in the spirit now, aren't we? We certainly are. So we've got Penny from Foster. And she's got a question about mangoes. Good afternoon, Penny. How can we help you?
4: Yes, hello. How are you? Yeah, pretty well. That's good. Um, Yes, I have a three-year-old mango tree, and last year I got two beautiful mangoes off it. Um, This year I've got about eight on there. They're a bit smaller than the palm of my hand.
3: Um,
4: I'm just wondering what I
1: should be feeding it, if I should feed it. Yeah, so my rule of thumb uh, when a plant has actually got the fruit set on it is to not fertilise, just to water well. And I think that's right. you know, particularly important with a mango because you want it to be nice and juicy. So when you cut open that flesh, it, it sort of goes yep. everywhere and it's beautiful to eat. Uh, I, I think when you start fertilising a plant and it's got its fruit or flower on there, it's having to process that. That fertilizer and it doesn't really do the plant too well. It can actually make it drop its fruit. It gets a bit stressed by it. Um, so, oh, okay. I, yeah, so my rule of thumb is if you've got a plant out there that's, you know, getting ready to set fruit, it's got some flour on it, it's got like the palm sized mangoes you've described, just leave it be and make sure it's really well watered.
3: Oh, great. Okay. Thank you for your time.
0: That is all right. Not a problem. And thank you for the call.
3: Thank you.
0: Bye bye. Cheers. Bye bye. we've got Dennis now from Belmont North, and he's got a question about passion fruit.
1: Dennis, how can we help you with the old passion fruit?
2: Uh, Good afternoon, Scott. Um, Well, it's a different type of passion fruit. It's a blue one. The flower is just bright blue and larger than the standard one. Um, And as the fruit forms, the little buds, um, I get ants in it. It goes right through the, the flowers that are opened; they're in there too. But um, so I don't understand how. I know ants would be travelling up for for Tucker inside. Yes, yeah. Sort of thing, but when the fruit is so f- small forming, they're into that too. You know, you just give it a bit of a squeeze. Next minute. Ants start popping
1: out. Oh, it doesn't, doesn't sound good. They probably help with the pollinisation of the of the flowers as well, but it, it sounds like you might have them a little bit out of control there. Uh, have yeah, you... well,
2: I haven't got a fru- any fruit off it last last year um, right. at all.
1: so they're actually doing quite a bit of damage now.
2: Yeah, yeah, no fruit at all.
1: So have you been able to identify where the ant nests are in the area? No, I... but
2: the plant is...
1: Covered in ants. Right, okay. You know, know, I would be probably getting some ant dust and just distributing it around the base of the plant. You could also get uh, a pyrethrum spray as well if you wanted to and just generally spray that around, but I'd do that later on in the evening. Uh, you know when the bees aren't around Uh, you could also with that pyrethrum spray drench that into the soil as well uh, just around it just to try and keep any ants under control so i'd probably try a three-pronged attack just to try and get those ant numbers down for you uh, because if they are doing that amount of damage uh, you can't just let them you know proliferate and uh, keep on uh, eating your passion fruit on you
2: yeah
1: they were here last year as well yeah so Um, but
2: the bloke on the other, the neighbor on the other side of the fence, which is, gets the afternoon sun, he was telling me how nice the fruit was.
1: Yeah, and so, and so he's, but, he's, he's getting the benefit of your passion fruit, it, is he?
2: Yeah, well, yeah, he's getting them on the other side of the fence, and so, he got fruit last year.
1: So with yours, are they in the in the shade, are they, would you say? No, they
2: get, the they get the sun from it faces east. Yep. Yeah. Um but I didn't get one fruit. I got tons of flowers. Yes, massive, um, and they look great, but no fruit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So look, I'd just start out with the you know a little bit of a, a spray, some of that dust as well. If any other callers have got some, uh, uh, you know, ideas about keeping the ants under control around the passion fruit as well, because it's not like you can identify a single stem, and uh, you know tie. The, the old trick was to tie you know a rag with kerosene soaked into it around the stem of the plant for a couple of hours, and that would stop the ants coming up and down. Ah, uh, but uh, yeah. I, I guess with yours, it's over the fence. You know, the ants, there's multiple places they could be coming in. So, yes. uh, yeah, if anyone's got any ideas about that, always love to hear from uh, you. Oh, yeah,
2: that's, that's a good idea too, stopping from coming up. Yeah, oh, yeah. So yeah. If, you, if
1: you can do that, you might be able to just, uh, you know, identify where they're, they're coming from and get a, kero rag, you know, a rag soaked in kerosene and uh, tie it up there for a small period of time. Oh look, just to stop the the ants getting up there. Uh, yeah, oh. it's much easier on a plant uh, where you can identify a single trunk. Uh, you can just tie sure. tie it on there for two or three hours. You don't want it sitting there overnight or anything and soaking into yep. the into the bark of the plant. But just for a short period of time, it, it uh, dissuades and keeps the uh, the ants from coming up the trunk of the plant. Oh,
2: that's a great idea. Never done that one before. Yeah, give it a, give it a crack. I oh, certainly will.
0: Okay, good on you, Thanks Dennis. Very much. Thank you.
2: Merry Christmas. And too. to you
0: too. Thank you. See you. Guarding Talk back on 2NURFM. We've got Mick from Wood Rising, and he's got a question about Brazilian jasmine. Hello, Mick. How can we help you? Yeah,
6: hi, Scott. How are you? Merry yeah. Christmas. And to you too. Yeah, I've had a lot of success with growing um, Brazilian jasmine. Yes. I've got red and white varieties right along a wall, uh, a lattice wall about you know, two and a half metres high. Yes. And it's been there for years, growing in pots, gets a bit of fertiliser every year, and it goes well. Last year I put in another eight along another wall, and the red ones on the left have done really well, and they're growing like all the all the rest of them. The ones on the, the on the right I had them in um, 50 litre pots, two plants to each. I usually plant them in in pairs, and these are an orange variety of Brazilian jasmine, and they grew up quite well, and they climbed up the top, and it. In springtime there was a huge bunch of pink flowers there all intertwined and all the neighbours were saying they're great. And then um, just as the flowers came out and they lasted a few weeks all the leaves started falling off on the vine and all four of them died. Dead dead as a doornail. So I I pulled them out. They'd been well watered but not over watered. I know that they can survive a bit of drought. And The roots had lots of... um, um, they had really bulbous roots and everything, and they seemed to be quite healthy down bottom. They just went and died on me.
1: Yeah, that, that's that's unusual. And you'd use the same potting mix or soil for all of those um, different yeah, plants. It's
6: just the Premium mix from
1: Bunnings. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, look, it just sounds like that your those particular plants or that variety that you've put in just you know wasn't really a very robust plant for some reason. Uh, but like yeah. you said, uh, you know your, your diplodenia, you know some people call it Brazilian jasmine, a, a very tough plant. Well, this is this is Mandevilla. Oh, you got Mandevilla, have you? because sometimes yeah. people interchange the names with those. So yeah, um, yeah uh, so you got Mandevilla. Uh, Mandevilla Sorenti, is it? Yeah, that, that's correct. So, yep. it, it's uh, yeah. look, it is a fairly robust plant. I'm just wondering why that particular variety that you had there just didn't do very well. It's um, yeah, un- unusual for that to occur.
6: Yeah, I always, whenever I buy them, I make sure that they've got runners off them. So yes. So, you know, I know that they're going to climb a bit.
1: So, have you replaced it? Are you going to do something different?
6: Well, I put in uh, two red ones.
1: Oh, yeah. And are they doing all right, right for you this year?
6: They didn't have any climbers on them when I picked them from Bunnings, but there was no others. And they've been there for about a week or so, and they haven't shown any sign of growth at all, or um, any sign of putting out any more more climbers at all
1: yeah but look give them a bit of time uh, you know just just a week you know probably not quite long enough. Uh, make sure you 're well watering them as well, uh, because even though they 're in that big pot they're real you know they 're still effectively in the small pot that you got them in, uh, even though they 're in the potting mix now, um, so yeah, look just uh, plenty of uh, water, maybe stick steer clear of the fertilizing um, you know for the first couple of months. If you were going to use anything, you could use a you know sort of half sea soil mixture just to try and improve the root system. Uh, but then moved to a, a an all-round liquid fertiliser to improve the, the growth and the flowering of the plant.
6: Mm, yeah, well, it was new potting mix, so I was not likely to start fertilising. It's supposed to be good for... Yeah. yeah. ...pretty rich for a few months.
1: Yeah, OK. But look, certainly the sea salt doesn't hurt at a, a half-strength.
6: Yeah. I've got another one. It's a large leaf variety. You can never tell how these things are going to grow. <laughs> it's just put, uh, putting up... Putting up um, a few runners and, yeah, some brilliant large yellow flowers but doesn't
1: seem to be doing much at all. Yes, yeah, look, sometimes it's a wonder of nature, but uh, sounds like you've got a, a wonderful display there otherwise, and hopefully these will grow for you too.
6: Yeah, I
0: hope so. Okay, good on you, Mick. Righto, thanks, mate. Okay, thanks for the call, mate. Cheers. Bye. Bye. So we've got Glenn from Ashton and he's got a question about the dahlia. Hello, Glenn. How can we help you?
7: Hey, buddy. How are you, mate?
0: Yeah, pretty well, pretty well.
7: I um... I planted ten tubers towards the end of autumn, um, uh, spring. Sorry, and and that um, they they've all come up and they're going pretty good. But I've got one that is um, all is yellowing through the leaves. Yes, and yet um, the ones either side of it aren't doing it. The leaves aren't actually like dying and falling off, but the yellowing is sort of right through through or started at the base but now it's it's sort of coming right up through the plant Like the plant is in bud now a lot of them are in bud just or some of them are in flower actually um but this one is uh got this yellowing all through it and i can't see any insects on it or bugs on it that could be causing it um yes i'm at a bit of a loss
1: Okay. Uh, look, sometimes you can get mite problems on dahlias and you won't necessarily see them. You'll just see the yellowing of the plant. And the trouble is that it could spread to the rest of the, the plants that you've got there. It might have just started on that particular one, a different variety, a little bit weaker, a little bit more susceptible. Uh, right. So important to uh, make sure you're, fe- you know, you're watering that plant well and just keeping it as healthy as possible at the moment. Uh, right. I would go and grab a product called Eco Oil. It's yeah. a, a nice, safe product to use. It's a miticide, so you spray that all over the plant. Do it on all your others as well. Um, yeah. Always do it according to the directions on the back. Uh, don't use it if it's an incredibly hot day because it can get a little bit burny, um, yeah. so be careful about that. And then again, probably in a week or two weeks' time to try and control that. Uh, hopefully then uh, you know that they haven't damaged it too much and your plant will come back.
7: Well, it's like the plant's still growing. Yes, Um, and that's... And like I said, it's got buds on it and everything, but it's just got this yellowing through all of the leaves.
1: Yeah, so look, I'd I'd go get some of that eco oil, give it a try. Um, See if you can, you know, sometimes those yellow leaves will come back um, or sometimes they might just be a little bit too damaged. But generally, if the plant's still healthy, just keep on watering it, keep on fertilising it and enjoy the dahlia flowers because they are really beautiful. Uh, Well, Some
7: of them are now spectacular. Yeah. Uh, What's the best fertiliser do you recommend?
1: Look, an all-round fertiliser with dahlias. You want something that's got plenty of sulphate of potash in there because you want those flowers to be big and strong and bright. Um, So, you know, the old Thrive, that's quite good. Uh, You can get sulphate of potash by itself if you want to, just to specifically uh, do the flowering. But, uh, you know, I just use an all-round liquid fertiliser. They're quick-growing. You need a a fertiliser that gets in there, uh, you know, nice and, um, you know, get smart for them, so it's in there yep. very quick, uh, yep. and up into the plant.
7: Okay, mate. I'll give them a go.
1: Okay, good on you, Glenn. Enjoy the plant. Thanks for your help, mate. Jeez,
0: Thank Papa. you very much. Thank- well, we've got Marie now, and she's got a mango tree under attack from possums.
1: Oh, that doesn't sound good. Marie, how can we help you? Oh, hi. Um, I, I bet
3: you've been a minute, Darren, okay? I, I rang up about a mango tree. Yes, what's happening with it? Possum. Possums had um, eaten all the mangoes and then they come back and the and the tree just, uh, it was a beautiful tree and now the possums had come back and eaten the bark off it and he said they've bringed it or something. Is there something he could do to help that tree?
1: Yeah, if oh. they, well, if look, if they have ring-barked it, mm. uh, then you can get a product called Steri Prune. Uh, it comes in a pressure pack or as a little paint tin as well, uh, oh. and you just paint that, and it pr- protects that area. It won't, you know, if the plant's really badly damaged, it won't, you know, bring it back to life or anything, but hopefully it'll stop any pest and disease getting into that area where the possums have ring-barked it uh, and just generally give it some protection for you. Steri Prune,
3: I mean possum possums got the blame for everything. I don't know what made them come back this season, but they always come and take a few.
1: Oh, look, there... The the, tree
3: still survives, you know, it's great. Yeah, look, um, there's
1: this island out to the east of Australia. Um, They love possums over there. Just send yours over there as well.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I I, I don't mind my tree because I don't like the mango, so I just let them have them and the lorikeets eat what they drop on the ground.
1: Ah, Um, right, okay, yeah. Look, if... um,
3: uh, okay. uh, but uh, it was a beautiful tree that he had just right on the fence. And I said, well, they're not my possum tree. are <laughs> <laughs> right. doing a prune.
1: Yes, yeah, sterry prune, and that'll do the job for you.
3: Okay, okay, I'll help him out that way. Thank you very much for your help. Thanks.
1: Bye-bye now. All right,
3: Merry Christmas. And to you
1: too. Thank you. Scotch sharp,
0: and all for us for 2020. Oh, there we go, all over so suddenly. So, very suddenly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, lost for words. That's all over it is. Scott Apple, I'll catch you in 2021. Yeah, and a very Merry Christmas to you. And a Happy New Year to you. And to you.
1: Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle.
6: Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.